Hello again. Welcome back to the Piano Rhapsody Podcast, the podcast where you follow my journey as an amateur piano player with the end goal of playing Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue. Every week, we take a look at one of the pieces I encounter along the way as we all learn about music together. For the past four weeks, we have explored the history of the prelude and how it has evolved throughout the years. We start with Bach, who I wouldn't say invented the prelude, but he revolutionized the idea of a prelude during the Baroque era with his work The Well-Tempered Clavier, where a prelude set the tone for the fugue that followed it. Then we took a look at Chopin, who transformed the idea of a prelude into a set of standalone miniatures that reflect a specific feeling. From there, we looked at a few examples of composers that were inspired by Bach and Chopin. A prelude from Albanese that took a note from Bach and opened his work Espana by setting the tone of Spanish influence. And then a prelude from Debussy, which was more in line with the work from Chopin, still reflective and personal, but also including a portrait of nature in line with the Impressionist era. Today, we are going to close out our discussion of preludes with another French Impressionist composer who hated the term Impressionist, Maurice Ravel. But first, I want to name drop some other composers who wrote a noteworthy set of preludes. First we have Busoni. He was a Romantic era composer who wrote a set of 24 preludes. Stephen Heller is another Romantic era composer who actually wrote three works of preludes, totaling a whopping 74, if my math is correct. Now it's important for me to mention this next one, as his work is the partial namesake of this podcast. Gershwin wrote a trio of preludes influenced by jazz that are great works and personal favorites of mine, but a little bit out of my skill reach at the moment. Maybe we can get to them on this podcast one day. I'd also be remiss if I didn't mention a host of Russian composers who took Chopin's inspiration and ran wild with it, creating sets of 24 moody, diverse preludes, and in Chopin's style, one in every major and minor key. So we have Kabalevsky, whose preludes were inspired by Russian folk songs, Skriabin's set of 24, then we have overachiever Shostakovich, who wrote not only a set of 24 prelude and fugue pairs a la Bach, but also a set of 24 preludes a la Chopin. And then there's my personal favorite set, second to Chopin's. A set of 24 by Sergei Rachmaninoff. Now I really should have ended this series of preludes with an example of one of the post-romantic Russian composers, as I believe it's the true evolution of the prelude, but there is such a significant and excellent output during the specific time and place that I think the Russian preludes deserve a series all on their own. So I'd like to do that sometime in the future, so stay tuned for that. Even though I may be snubbing these Russian composers for now, it gives me a chance to talk about Maurice Ravel, which I may not have the chance to ever do again on this podcast. Ravel was a notoriously painstakingly slow worker, so his body of work is rather small. And add that to the fact that his piano work is some of the most difficult in the entire repertoire, and I may not ever successfully learn to play another one of his pieces again. So I'm going to get this in while I can, because Ravel is a master. He's also labeled as an impressionist, a term he hated almost as much as Debussy, but their music shares similar dreamlike qualities. In my humble opinion, 
no composer simulates the sound of water better than Ravel. Have a listen to Ondine, an interpretation of a poem where a water nymph seduces a mortal, or une barque sur l'océan, meaning a boat on the ocean, as another good example of this. I'll post some links in the episode description of professional performances of these two pieces, because I'm pretty confident they are out of my amateur grasp. Ondine is one of my all-time favorites, actually, so definitely give that a listen if you haven't heard it before. So it's difficult to talk about Ravel without mentioning Debussy. They kind of go hand-in-hand together. And like a tale as old as time, Ravel and Debussy started as friends But a rift formed in 1905, and their admirers formed rival factions. Just like Taylor Swift and Katy Perry. And what caused this professional rivalry? Well, perhaps pride? The style of Debussy and Ravel is similar, both subscribing to a colorful, textured piano style influenced by nature. And while both of them despised the Impressionist title, they pretty much both fit the bill. Even though Ravel was Debussy's junior by 12 years, they were composing during the same period, so it was difficult to say who inspired whom. Ravel was adamant that while he respected Debussy's style, his was decidedly unique and individual. While Ravel publicly admired Debussy's work, the love was not returned. Debussy is quoted in a letter to a friend describing Ravel. What annoys me is his posture as a trick maker, or better, as a charmer who can make flowers grow around a chair. You know, even when the man is throwing shade, he still talks about flowers. This tension culminated when it was rumored that Debussy stole a theme from Ravel and incorporated it into one of his own pieces. And speaking of Taylor Swift, baby, now we got bad blood. Or it could have been more personal. In 1904, Debussy, being the upstanding gentleman that he was, left his wife Lily and went to live with his mistress. Ravel and several of his close friends provided a modest income for Debussy's abandoned wife, which likely ruffled his feathers. Or in Debussy speak, trampled his meadow flowers. Whatever the reason, Ravel is quoted to say that it is probably better for us, after all, to be on frigid terms for illogical reasons. So while these two were credited with the heavy lifting for the French Impressionist piano repertoire, there's still that icy vein running underneath. But let's get back to the piece du jour, Ravel's prelude in A minor. We were in the year 1910 last week with Debussy, and we're basically staying in the same time period, only going a few years forward to 1913. Ravel wrote this prelude as a standalone miniature to be used as a sight-reading test for the Paris Conservatory students. The prelude is untitled, but it contains a dedication to Mademoiselle Jeanne Leloup, who was a student at the conservatory. There's not a whole lot of information out there on this minor piece of Ravel's, but I did see that Miss Leloup won a prize for this prelude. So it's slight speculation on my part, but I wonder if Ravel kind of dedicated this prelude to her 
for winning some kind of sight reading competition at the school. Anyway, the fact that this was meant to be a sight reading piece is actually pretty mean of Ravel, because there's this extended portion of the prelude where the hands basically both meet in the middle and are expected to play on top of each other, which is difficult enough when you know it's coming, but to not know it's coming? Probably made it pretty entertaining to watch the students struggle. So the piece is written in A minor, but Ravel takes some liberties with the tonality and uses some avant-garde chord choices, just in time for the jazz age that's about to sweep America. There's one chord in particular that he uses prominently twice during the latter half of the prelude. That is quite striking, and a good precursor for the jazz age that's about to follow. And that's really about it. I actually don't think you're going to need my help at all appreciating this piece. It still sounds like a beautiful little daydream to our modern ears, because relatively speaking, it's not really that old. So let's have a listen. This is Ravel's Prelude in A Minor, work number 65. Well, we did it. We made it through our first series. Let's uh, take a break from talking about preludes for a while and move on to something else. I thought a good next step would be to take a hyperspeed trip through the different eras of music, tackling one era a week. So next week, we'll start way back at the beginning of the keyboard, at the Baroque era. And we will stay on the train for five more weeks until we reach modern day. Hope to have you along for the ride. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can find the standalone recording of this prelude in the podcast feed. If you haven't already, please take a second to subscribe, rate, and review. If for no other reason, then it'll make my day. You can find me on Twitter, at Piano Rhapsody. Email me at pianorhapsodypodcast at gmail.com. And you could also stream all of the recordings you hear on this podcast and more at my SoundCloud page. Next week, we will talk about the Baroque era, and we will not talk about preludes. I promise. Talk to you then. Have a good week.